Previously on Roman Records. This is this is a pet peeve of mine. Oh. Um, a bugbear, if you will. A bugbear. Um, something that really rips my knitting. Uh, it's it's the term yacht rock. Coming up on this week's show. We discuss the silky smooth grooves of the music movement that later became known as, you guessed it, Yacht Rock. We also revisit an old favourite from episode one and have a vote making some sunshine inspired cocktails. All this and more coming up on Roman Records. Please be aware this podcast contains strong language and add on themes. Please drink responsibly. So Craig, episode four of Roman Records, uh, delighted to be here again recording another podcast with you uh, and I think we've got a really interesting topic, perhaps a little bit controversial as we'll get on to, uh, certainly, certainly from your perspective uh, and in a moment. So I guess without further ado actually, what are we going to be talking about this week? We're going to talk about something that I complained about last week and I feel like I'm getting... Um, reprimanded for that we're going to talk about the well i want to talk about the web series you can rock. see the pain and <laughs> anguish on your face actually i want to talk about the, the web series yacht rock but we're also going to talk about the the kind of uprising of this fake genre that is okay. yacht rock it's quite apt that we're looking at this today because the person that introduced me to this uh, amongst other internet sensations is matt paisley who we worked together with. We did, aye. Um, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Happy Matt. Happy birthday, Matt Paisley. So you and only you will know when we recorded this and how long it took to edit. <laughs> um, but Matt's out in Australia now. He introduced me to so many things, including Yacht Rock. I think he actually, for his birthday one year, he had a Yacht Rock party. That's fucking awesome. It had a paddling pool in the kitchen. It had, like, sand in another paddling pool. Like, it was a total Yacht Rock thing. So, I mean, Yacht Rock, as in the, the web series, hilarious. I absolutely love it. I make sure everybody watches it. The the abundance of Yacht Rock compilations and stuff really really annoys me because it's not actually a genre. And I would hope yeah. that the people that invented this term got the, the recognition that they deserve, but and I don't think they do. No, they don't. And I think they very much get uh, sort of labelled with parodying the... An actual genre, which yeah. is quite ironic when they, those well, they, were the guys invented that invented it. Yeah. Basically kind of slagging it off and saying it was rubbish. But actually, it's the complete opposite. They're very much champions of some of the artists that we're going to be talking about uh, in the next sort of hour of this episode. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoy this music and I really enjoy the web series. I just don't enjoy people taking advantage of something that was made up. And people... Without people that don't know about the the web series, maybe I'm being a snob here, but people that don't know the web series and use that term as if it's a real thing, yeah, that fucking grinds. It my really gears. does. I mean, I'm okay. I'm not saying I'm all right with it, but it really fucking gets to you. It does. It really does. It does. I can see you're sitting there fucking seething at mm. times. And um, I'm usually one smooth. Relaxed figure. You are indeed. You you could you could basically dovetail it into the your 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 genre if it I was think, a thing. Um, the other thing that's getting me quite pent up here is uh, it's like a double detention for me this mm. episode because not only are we discussing yacht rock, 
as a genre, but um, we're going to drink Malibu. It kind of feels like I'm drinking some tan lotion, I mean. <laughs> That's my pet peeve about Malibu. Yeah. Well, I think there's no better way, really, to to sort of mark a nice, smooth and silky, sophisticated The thing that I don't mind about it is, one, we already had Malibu left over from our unreleased first episode. Chris Hamley brought this. Yeah, he did. So I'm drinking it. He did. And you actually, you were going to insist he took it with him. Yeah, and he was like, no, no, you keep it. No, no, no. no, no. So um, we have a bottle of Malibu. It didn't cost any money because Chris bought it. Thank you, Chris. And the other thing is, um, it's involved, it's actually in the web series. It is. James Ingram and Michael McDonald are drinking shots of it. We're not going to do shots of Malibu. We're going to be a lot more smoother and a lot no, more classier. Absolutely. We are going to make pina coladas. Yeah, we are indeed. And I have to say, right, I know they're a little bit 70s, a little bit kind of cheesy. Seeing the right circumstance, I quite enjoy a pina colada. It literally is three things that I usually don't touch, but together they're great. So coconut rum... I know not all pina coladas are coconut rum, yeah, but we're going with quite that often today. Just white rum, but yeah, we we are kind of upped the coconut a notch or two, and we went with the Malibu coconut rum, pineapple juice, pineapple juice. Yep, yeah, I'm happy with that. And uh, coconut, we're going with coconut milk. Coconut cream is a lot sweeter, but we already have Malibu, so we don't really. Aye, that we, we feel we've got enough coconut. Um, but no, you're right. Once they put them all together, I don't actually mind drinking them. You have ingeniously fashioned a makeshift cocktail shaker you've shook this up it looks fucking great I have to say ah, with some nice glasses here we've got some good paper straws that I uh, begged for well not quite begged, begged. but I asked for nicely. Uh, nicely in a bar we were in beforehand so we're going to fire one of these up and then I think what we'll do I want to have a little chat about you know you're listening to this podcast you've maybe never heard the term Yacht Rock before we'll have a little chat about actually I mean, what does it mean? You know, who are the artists involved and and such like, and then we'll kind of delve deeper into it. That's looking pretty good. Not a lot of rum in there. It doesn't taste like it. It's pretty tasty. It is tasty. That's ah, actually pretty good. I mean, I've had. Uh, I'm converted to this yacht rock episode already. I'm converted to Malibu. That's me. Fuck it. I'm feeling. So I'm a flip flop. You know what? It's a bit grey outside, but I'm feeling really summery and fucking just brighter and sparkler already. So gr- great stuff. So. I do want to get a uh, sort of circle back. I think we've maybe jumped ahead a little bit. So if you've never seen the web series, and we call it the web series not because we're old cunts, but because this was pre-YouTube. It was, yeah. It was Channel 101 or something like that, and it was a web series. It was indeed. This, this was kind of pre-social media, pre-YouTube, and um, these guys are probably quite ahead of their time with this kind of stuff. I think so. The satire is... And you really need to go check it out, and I, I strongly recommend that you do so. But I just want to sort of give you an idea of um, how, what the kind of definition of, of kind of what, what York was, or is, or was. Um, I'm just going to top up this aye, go with for it. more you, coconut rum, because... It. I think it's maybe a wee bit weak. So they kind of say it was um, it was certainly a, a music kind of scene that formed in, in sort of California, Southern California in particular... And the kind of sweet spot that they coined for for this uh, kind of period is from 1976 up to about 1982 um, of being the kind of sweet spot for, for Yacht Rock. And there was a kind of culmination of all these different artists, some of them California artists, some people that actually sort of um, sort of had a bit of a pilgrimage to California. And 
we're all kind of interconnected and friendly and, and sort of recorded this very smooth, silky, breezy, summery, sort of feel-good sort of music. Um, and it was very much, I suppose you could say, soft rock, as you'd sort of mentioned um, before. So that is a sort of very sort of brief, brief overview. But there was a, a, there was a number of kind of key protagonists within this genre, fake genre, subgenre, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. And I mean, the key thing about each episode was it was around how a famous yacht rock song um, was about. coined, when yes. how it came about. And the very first episode was probably the archetypal song, the key song, if you think, what is yacht rock? This is the tune. And it was actually, it's like a trifecta of all three main people involved in said genre's songs. And that was Michael McDonald's world-famous voice. Yeah. Blue-eyed soul. Oh. Um, Kenny Loggins, who is the other protagonist. He is indeed. I would say that Craig is the Kenny Loggins to my Michael McDonald's. Yeah. And it was produced by Ted Templeman, who unfortunately, I'm sure, died maybe a year or so ago and was involved... And a lot of Michael Jackson's recordings later on. This guy was a sort of legendary producer. Literally, there's. I mean, he is involved in the what do you call it? The episodes, and I'm pretty sure he must have um, produced Van Halen as well, because he does in the show. So I'm, I'm assuming that it's true. That he I'm does assuming that it's as true. Well. I mean, you might want to fact check that, but. Uh... But the song that we're going to go with first of all is "What a Fool Believes," which is the very first track. Involved in um, in the web series, indeed, and it's on the Doobie Brothers Grammy winning album. In fact, no, the Doobie Brothers didn't win the Grammy for this album, but this song was Grammy winning. It won a Grammy. It won three Grammys. It won the record of the year. It won the song of the year, and it won the best arrangement for accompanying vocals, so backing vocals. Yeah, I mean it's up there with. The best of the best of backing vocals. Have you ever seen the harmonies? clip um, that Rick Moranis pretends to be Michael McDonald? <laughs> no. It's actually involved in Yacht Rock, the web series. Aye. But it was a real thing. He made fun of Michael McDonald being the best um, <laughs> backing singer in the world. It's such a good clip. Whatever happened to him? He just sort of... Rick Moranis. Did he get um, some His was wife he died. He was ill, wasn't he? No, no, his wife died and his he wife. decided to stay at home and take care of the kids. Oh, that was very He's annoying. released a few albums and he was involved in Brother Bear, this animated film. Anyway, we don't want to be too downtrodden here on such oh, a, a breezy man. episode of... Uh, I'm going to give you some facts about this song. Fact bombs coming in. It was claimed that Michael Jackson contributed at least one backing track to the original Doobie Brothers recording. I did not know that. Um, good, because it was um, later denied by the band. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you mentioned uh, MJ there, and uh, there is certainly, he's got connections to Yacht Rock that we'll, we'll, we'll come on to later on in the one of my favourite episodes. It's yeah. absolutely... <laughs> I'm an Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> How you expect me to get some pussy when I sing like a pussy? <laughs> or something to that. I don't care what it is. Um, here's another fact bomb. Kenny Loggins, co-writer of the song. Co-writer. Actually released a version of the song five months prior to the Doobie Brothers. I did not know that because yeah. we talked about it. So I've, um, I know the Loggins version of the song and it is very good. It's different. Um, and if you've if you've not sort of heard that one, I'm sure we'll maybe play a little snippet for you later. Uh, but go check it out. But I didn't know that he stole the marks on the dubs. <laughs> well, I'll just fucking release this. He brought it out in 1978 <laughs> on his album Nightwatch. Um, but 
interestingly, Logan switches the, the genders around, so it's more singing from the, the woman's perspective. Aye. And the song is actually about a guy who bumps into a girl he's not seen for a long time and tries to rekindle a romantic relationship only to find out that that romantic relationship never existed. So, so he always thought there was a thing. Met. He always thought there was a thing like, oh, she's always been flirting with me. Oh, there's like, there's something going on here. There's something going on there. And he tries to reignite that. And she's like, she's like, mate, what why are you do doing? you think that? You fucking weird weird creep. It's such a cool premise for a song. I really like it. I did not know that. I didn't know it until this morning. And when I read Wikipedia. Oh, <laughs> 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 What I didn't take all my information from Wikipedia, obviously, because no. I'd be stupid to do that. No. Um, but the thing about Michael McDonald is, it turns out he's a really cool guy. He's so sound. He's so um, politically minded as well. You should look into some of his views. By the way, he, he's I've saw late interviews with him, and he's the most chill motherfucker you ever met. He really life. is. So there was a question in a in quite a, a recent interview. And he gets he gets called his genre is kind of called blue eyed soul as well, yeah. which kind of means white boys singing souls. No, definitely, and and I, and I think there is a lot of uh, a lot of kind of black music origins within York rock. Um, you know, there's a lot of jazziness there. There's a lot of soul within there. Definitely. Um, but I know that I've heard the term blue eyed soul before, and it's a kind of again a kind of separate kind of thing, but it's certainly connected to the. To the whole kind of yacht rock. So he got asked a question: um, Which term do you dislike more, yacht rock or blue-eyed soul? Oh, I'm really interested. Yeah. He said, "You know what I have to say. I've come to appreciate both of them." <laughs> so he said he quite liked it. Yeah, you know, I have to say I come to appreciate both of them. That wasn't bad. You know, yacht rock was originally meant to be a a polka act from the seventies that were smooth and insipid when viewed from the 80s. But then you wait around long enough and all of a sudden people are waxing nostalgic for the 70s again. And Yacht Rock has a whole <laughs> other meaning. He is really sound and he really appreciates that. And I'm going to I come back that. to that interview later. That's a great... That, in another track. That's fantastic because you'd expected them, you know, what, what one do you d- dislike more? And he, was, he actually completely flipped that, that question as well. Like, fuck it, you know what? It brings me money. Mr. Positivity there. Uh, I love Michael McDonald. Great. This episode probably you'll you'll notice will turn into a Michael McDonald homage. He is a fucking fiend. He yeah. is an absolute fiend when it comes to sort of working and output and stuff he gets involved in, and he is the sort of antipathist of of, of yacht rock, um, if we can call it that. So, I am um, absolutely phenomenal. So this is the Doobie Brothers. There are a lot of classic songs on this album, but we're going to go with the absolute number one which is um, What a Fool Believes. If you're interested, or if you really, really like this song, please tune in to our special, our little bonus episode of Odd Covers, which looks at three different covers of this song. song about fucking 50 times this fucking week and it, it doesn't never tire it, it never fucking tires I don't think we're going to hear a better song tonight no we're not 
I'm going to just spoil it all out. Um, you may as well just fucking switch this podcast off right now. <laughs> that, you know, it doesn't get any better. Doesn't it? It doesn't it? It d- just d- d- doesn't it? Hopefully, though, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to keep you entertained. Yeah, so that was uh, Doobie Brothers with What A Fool Believes, uh, the bona fide classic of that period. And really, I think it was the it was the blueprint for the sort of yacht rock sound. A uh, couple of wee things there. Um, something that's referred to by the, the guys that sort of created Yacht Rock or coined the phrase is the, they call it the doobie kind of shuffle. It's a kind of little drum beat. I mean, I've got serious concerns with you saying it was the blueprint to the Yacht Rock sound because no one went in there and thought, fuck it, we're going to make a thing called Yacht Rock. No, actually, okay, maybe that, I get why you're offended by that, right? And maybe I'm just being a prick. In retrospect... There were certain uh, traits. Absolutely, I think that. it's a great song, and it would definitely influence a lot of people to make similar music. Yes, I think we can agree there. Perfect. The next band that we're going to talk about, which is a band that you're going to bring mm. up, um, that Michael McDonald actually played a huge role in a lot of their albums. Again, another McDonald connection. We're going to talk about a band who, in some ways, is as a kind of an odd choice to 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 be sort of uh, thrust into that genre, because uh, this band are actually uh, from New York. City uh, on the other the other side of uh, the country um, from the east coast, of course, and and this band is, I think, unfairly um, sort of maybe remembered or labelled as being a little bit sort of more sort of dad rock than yacht rock, to be honest. I mean, uh, I think the terms can be quite interchangeable. They, uh, the they, way that p- things are marketed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Depending if it's or it's Father's Day coming up, so our, yacht rock our Father's Day just been depending on when Craigie. Can edit this, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you'll see them. This band very much appeared on a lot of kind of you know, fucking d- tunes for your dad type albums that they would try and pump out at that time of the year. They certainly used to say when I was sort of growing up. Um, but this band, um, as Craig says, got a connection to Michael McDonald um, in terms of musicianship and production. Pff, I mean, they're really fucking up there with uh, with with anyone. In terms of a, a duo, actually, and it's maybe interesting that we didn't we didn't actually cover them in our previous episode of, of musical duos because I think they could have easily been been in there. Absolutely, they're epitomised even in the TV show. They're epitomised as being perfectionists. Yeah, and like they take hundreds of takes. Hundreds of takes. Um, what I really like is one of the guys. Is it Donald Fagan or the Aye, other one? Fagan, yeah. That's. Um, Seen to be more like a kind of old Cajun man that can't really talk. Aye, it's so strange. I've <laughs> no I idea what I that's about. That. I have no idea. I had I'd to go back to and like, watch interviews with him and I was like, he fucking sounds fine. Where are they getting this from? But <laughs> that's was, the sort of shit I love about that TV They just kind of make kind of weird shit up. But uh, we are, of course, talking about uh, the band Steely Dan. So Steely Dan, um, perhaps maybe by some listeners would be, they'd, they'd sort of um, be recognisable for, for maybe some of their earlier tracks like reeling in the years and um, such like. However, their origins are very much rooted in the sort of jazz world. Uh, and again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, this is where their kind of sort of a musical sort of a, a apprenticeship was served in that kind of world uh, and two fantastic musicians in their own right, but also two amazing uh, producers and sort of crafters of, of music. Do you know what? I can't remember when, but I had this little kind of phase like a few years ago and I went out and bought a lot of music like this and I bought quite a bit of Steely Dan um, 
More for like kind of backing tracks, like barbecues and drinking. And aye, stuff like that. aye, and I got I got a few albums of theirs um, off someone on eBay, and I, I think it was a, I think they'd sort of said in the t- description, "Oh, I'm clearing out like my dad's albums, and like I'm selling off a, a bunch of stuff, so we'll have a look on my, uh, you know, kind of my, my other items." So I managed to sweep up uh, sort of three or four uh, Steely Dan albums and. Um, the album that we're talking about here is uh, Asia or Asia. I don't know how you would pronounce it, but a- a- Aya, Aja, Aya. Is it yeah, soft yeah. J? What is it? Yeah. So um, this was released in I think it was seventy seven. Yeah, seventy seven. Um, and it was a really tough call between this song and another song for Silly Dance. I definitely want to do a Silly Dance song because I it think it has to be done. Yeah, Absolutely. They, they're very much part of this genre, and they, they did go out to California and record a lot of stuff. Bizarrely, this song is the only song in the album that was not recorded in California. Oh. It was recorded back in New York for some reason, and I'm not not too sure. But it was between this and uh, another great Steely Dan song, uh, "Kid Charlemagne," that was a uh, was also sampled as this song was by uh, by a hip hop artist. So "Kid Charlemagne" was uh, sampled by. Um, Kanye West. The song is Peg from the album Asia. Asia. Who sings backing vocals on this uh, track? Well, this is what really makes it properly <laughs> yacht raw. It is, again, your fucking man, Michael <laughs> McDonald. Yes! And his fucking backing vocals fucking make this. <laughs> and McDonald, as you alluded to earlier on, was a part of the sort of session musicians of the touring band of, of, of he recorded of with band. them throughout their career he it did. wasn't when he went to yeah. the doobies he stopped he actually still contributed he did and I thought that that, that, that was phenomenal he was never an official member so no. to speak but he very much was a big part big part of their success so what I like about this on, on the vinyl sense it's actually the first song on side two oh. uh, which that's what you need I that's that. what you fucking need because it does have that kind of breakdown so it sounds like it is the intro to something because it's got such yeah. a great intro yeah, definitely, and I love that, and we'll, and we'll definitely get onto this in some future episode about the sort of whole idea of an A side and a B side and the differences between and and such like. But um, it was very much so pleasing to be able to flip that record, and that is the first song that comes on, and it's a It's just such a happy tune as well. It's such a sort of feel good tune. We must listen to it. Well, we mentioned Michael McDonald, um, a couple other facts, but before I get into that, let's just fucking hear it, as you say. Play it. Let's Let's get into it. So that was Steely Dan with Peg from the 1977 album Asia or Asia, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just one of their fucking best songs and, and one that's, uh, I think, a yacht rock classic, if you can forgive me for using that term again. It's such a clean sounding record. Every You can hear every part of the instrumentation. That intro's great. Yeah. Like, there's such a, a vibe to it. The vocals are great. The backing vocals are astounding. Do you know what? And and, and they, that sort of is the icing and the cherry and the sprinkles on the cake of this. It's that McDonald sort of soulfulness to that. It, it's fucking amazing. And um, I read a sort of, I'm not going to steal this, but I, I, there was a quote and it was, uh, 
complex music delivered with ease. Yeah. That's, and and that summed it up really, really well. The fact that actually there's a lot going on in this song, but because they're so sort of masters of the craft, so great musicians, and it's, again, it's still very silky smooth. It's still very sort of soft kind of rock and fun, and it just is fucking such a fucking great tune couple of little fucking uh, knowledge fucking fact bombs for you here um, you may have thought I've heard that I fucking think I've heard that tune before it was actually sampled by uh, De La Soul and, and one of their one of their best album Three Feet Behind Rising it was a song I know so maybe you're thinking ah shit that's where I know it from interestingly there's another song on that album that samples another Roman Records favourite that we featured on last week's episode or last episode which is uh, sampled Arab Strap <laughs> they sampled Arab Strap uh, Love Detective no it was uh, they actually sampled uh, Hall Notes I can go for that awesome right so we're gonna we're gonna head straight into another track this um, when we talk about the series Yacht Rock this character comes in as <laughs> pretty much the poster boy of Yacht Rock and perfects it with his first album and we're talking about Christopher Cross and this and again a strange one not not a California native someone who came in I think he was from Texas was he absolutely yeah but the, the weird thing about this character is that he seems so kind of straight laced he's got a cap he seems almost kind of autistic mm. in the way that he talks so naive um, but Christopher Cross won so much adulation for his debut album mm. named Christopher Cross in fact it kind of just stormed the Grammys Aye. So in 1981, it won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year, famously for beating Pink Floyd's The Wall. Fucking hell. So Christopher Fuck Cross beat... King hell. And I think this is part of the problem, right, um, with, with Yacht Rock, is a lot of the kind of musos, if you like, or the, the, the serious music writers were like, they dismissed this kind of soft rock and they were like, all these fucking like bona fide great bands are getting like beaten in the big awards by these kind of shite in their eyes soft rocky kind of bands yep. uh, but at the end of the day this is what they set out to do they set out to make smooth soulful easy listening kind of music so mission accomplished for exactly. them so why should one say that this is better than the other another thing that um, separates this album with a lot of the albums from that age was it was one of the first ever albums to be digitally recorded um, so that's probably why it gets such a clean when, when was the sound to what it. was the year again 80 this was 1979 79 uh, but it must have been released in 1980 aye um, so yeah it was good year it was recorded it was a good year you were born that year I was yeah, born that year cool maybe that should be your favourite album from 1980 it fucking probably should be I might go <laughs> back across. And, I might go back and update the website Check our website if you've not checked yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. We segue in nicely. RomanRecords.com. The website is launched. Go check it out. All our cool shit will be on there. People kept complaining that it wasn't easy to find the the playlists. Yep. So we've got them all hosted there, as well as Instagram. A couple of facts about the presenters. It's nice. A, a great job. Bye, Craig. Thanks. So, a couple of other things about Christopher Cross. And in particular, this song. So... Sailing is, is, is sold as the, the kind of pinnacle of yacht rock in the, in the web series. It brings Coco back from the dead. <laughs> but the track I want to go with is Run Like the Wind. And you can probably guess why. Run Like the Wind? Run Like the Wind. Is it no ride? Ride like that. Uh, yeah, Run Like the Sorry. There's some really interesting backing vocals there. And I will give you... 
two guesses at home. Who who could that be? Which 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 can I? I guess it's all the way to go. And there he pops up again, um, the fucking legend, the godfather of yacht rock, Michael McDonald. So here is the the best fact that I found out about this. So if you only watched, like myself, watch yacht rock and kind of got your education on this time and music through a web series, <laughs> you wouldn't know by how they portray Christopher Cross on how this song was written. No. Christopher Cross wrote this song while he was on acid. I fucking heard about this, yeah. <laughs> Apparently he was bored one day and he's fucking lamping so some he, acid. Um, he was living in Houston at the time and he was driving down to Austin to record some songs. Aye. And he took acid just on the drive down. And was he not thinking about westerns or something he'd watched or something it was like a, that? The song is about a condemned criminal on the run to Mexico. On America to the border of Mexico. Yeah. So it describes how an outlaw and a convicted multiple murderer on the run from a death by hanging sentence. So it must be kind of western ages. Aye. Um, and ride like the wind to the border of Mexico. And, and it's kind of strange. When I read that, I was like... This is a song where you're essentially cheating on the guy that's killed multiple people. Yeah. Like, you want him to get to you Mexico. You want him to get to Mexico. But this song's an absolute banger. I would say that the Christopher Cross self-titled debut album is full of great hits. Sailing is absolutely amazing. No, it's, it's such a chilled-out song. Um, but this has got a bit of energy to it. Aye. And it, it starts to show how this whole yacht rock genre, this time of music, how people started evolving towards more of a fast-paced, energetic sort of rock so let's have a little listen to Christopher Cross ride like the wind So, um, a, a hard rocking, hard rocking, hard rocking. <laughs> um, it, it's it's definitely putting the rock and yacht rock. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Cross there from his debut album, Christopher Cross. And just before we went to listen to that song, we'd mentioned that the guys that created yacht rock actually have a podcast out now. I think it has it came to an end, and they're just redoing uh, the episodes. I don't. I'm not too sure. It's. Uh, I've kind of discovered it sort of post the fact. Um, I think it's been around for a, a number of years. 2016. It's called Beyond Yacht Rock. Yeah. Uh, they do go into yacht rock, but they go into all these like they're they're pretty good at um, identifying these kind of like sub made up genres and uh, some of the stuff's really good particularly the early stuff so I'd, I'd strongly strongly encourage you to go and, and check those guys out very very worthwhile but yeah they also do a thing called Yacht or Nyot yes so this is looking at um, what constitutes or doesn't constitute as being a yacht rock I mean to song. be fair they have become the authority because they did yeah, invent they the fucking it. thing they've got something called the Yachtsky scale as well the Yachtsky scale I'm cl- th- the thing is I'm glad that they have life after this yeah I'm really happy with that and they sell t-shirts go and buy a t-shirt or something definitely these guys invented something that was was great very under appreciated by a lot of people I yeah. doubt they get any money from yacht rock compilations no and um, Michael McDonald should probably give them a bit of money. Aye. Although he was doing pretty successful with or without it, I would say. Yeah, no, he definitely was. Um, I would say my favourite person out of the whole cast 
Hollywood say, Steve. Hollywood Steve. Yeah. Absolutely. I just fucking love that. Hey, I'm Hollywood Steve. You found me making love. <laughs> uh, yeah. I fucking love that. So it's halfway through the podcast, and although these Malibu pina coladas are hitting the spot and really kind of fueling us, it's only 20%. Aye. I'm not even feeling close to as buzzed as I would like to. I right think now. the biggest buzz I got was me laughing. Aye. That was about it. Aye. So what we're going to do, we're going to make a shot. Quite a tropical shot, I would still say. It yeah. involves a little bit of pineapple juice. And if you listen to episode one of Roman Records, you will know uh, Craig and I have got history with shots, both good and bad. Yes. <laughs> Mostly bad. Especially the ones we make up. Although they're usually quite surprisingly tasty. Aye, I mean, you, you fucking... I don't know. Was, was this like during your fucking India trip where you were fucking writing poetry? You were coming up with these shots? Convenient. <laughs> 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 that inspired the, the, the heat. Um, yeah, but um, ah, you tend you tend to like uh, you, you tend to surprise me. But um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna use Craig's bottle of Grand Marnie from episode one. Yes, got much of that left. Um, a fair bit, actually, more than I've expected. I mean, have you been drinking it? No, since no, I haven't. Oh, I haven't, I drunk I haven't a lot. touched a drop. I remember you having to spend what twenty quid on that bottle. Twenty pounds sterling, and we're getting a lot of good use out of it. We are. So we're going to combine Grand Marnie with some apricot schnapps and shout out to my lovely wife. Um, she brought this back from Vienna. We were, I was out on a work trip in Brno. So she took a day trip with our son to Vienna and she brought back some lovely apricot schnapps. We're going to take some Grand Marnie, we're going to take some apricot schnapps and we're going to put a little bit of pineapple juice in there. Quite and, excited about um, this. Quite excited about this. We're going to call it Sailing, sailing into the sunset. I think that is such an apt name. We've got the kind of rich orangeness of the two spirits with yeah. a little bit of pineapple juice. So, um, smelling it actually smells delicious. The color, I know we've got in colored glasses, but it's quite a rich. I think it's sunset color. Yeah, definitely, it's got, it's got a nice kind of orangey, reddy hue to it. Um, pineapple always worries me a wee bit with that acidity, but. There's not too much in there. We've got some nice um, body from mm. the Grand Marnier with the brandy. So uh, I'm not going. We're not. Are we shooting these? Are we just maybe half shooting because they look quite big? Because that was again my fault for like being greedy. You do what you want. Just take as much as you can. I'm going to sip it, then I might do a shoot it. So cheers. <sighs> I like that. Yeah, it's good. It is quite strong. It is pretty strong, but it's nice. But it's it. There's a nice. Um, there's a mellowness. There's that. See that apricot? That works so well. Yeah. I don't think it lets the Grand Marnie sing as much as it did in the B52. No, definitely not. Um, I think with, with those, uh, you don't get the kind of orange coming through that no. you got before. But it does taste more tropical because you've got orange and you've got pineapple and yeah, you've got, got apricot. You've got all these kind of fruits kind of like fucking partying together. Um, and once that party's in your mouth, I think it's. I think it works really well. I'm so happy that we decided to do this because if it was just fucking Mad. pina coladas, it wouldn't be that good. No. So we're um, moving on to your track. Yeah, um, and I felt like this one was a a pretty easy one for me, and I couldn't not talk about yacht rock without talking about this band. Um, probably the most recognisable artist we'll talk about tonight, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think in terms of percentage-wise, who will have heard of this band and who will be familiar with the tracks, I think undoubtedly it will be this band. Um, 
It's one of the later kind of yacht rock tracks. It comes from 1982. It was from the band's uh, fourth album, just called basically four, actually. Um, and it is um, the band, of course, I'm talking about, is Toto. So this was this was their biggest album by far. Um, it spawned the massive number one hit, Africa, uh, which we're not going to feature tonight. It's it's so strange that this track and Africa were on the same album. Aye, it is. It is actually quite quite interesting. I've never listened to it as an album in full. Um, I, I I don't think I have either. If I'm being quite honest with you, um, this album won again talking about Grammys. It won a Grammy as well. Best album. Get to fuck. And the song I'm going to feature. And 82. Yes. So 81 was Christopher Cross, 82 was fucking <laughs> yeah. total. So fucking Yacht Rock fucking rules. In 1980 was the Doobie Brothers. Well, this is, and I think this is what the guys were going for. This was the golden age. This period, really 76 yeah, to 82, yeah, yeah. was the fucking pinnacle of this genre. And it was never to be seen the likes of again. Um... I'm not going for Africa, so I'm probably going for probably their second most sort of recognisable tune. But I I'd think say I like this song. Better. I think this song's better. Um, Absolutely. The song is Rosanna. I just think it's such a fucking absolute banging tune, and this also won a fucking Grammy for best song that year. <laughs> so they were just absolutely smashing it out of the park. Um, right in the in the web series, it's Rosanna Arquette, mm. and she won't let the main guy from Toto Pumper. Yeah. Um, unless she write, he gets Michael McDonald to sing a song. Well, th- there is some, well, there's a little bit of truth in this. Okay. So one of the keyboardist, keyboardists, uh, he was pumping uh, Rosanna Arquette at the time. Okay. Um, but it, he didn't have anything to do with the pen and the, the lyrics or anything like that. And okay. It was, apparently it was completely coincidental, but we never let the truth get in the way of good stories. So no, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm sure the guys didn't either. <laughs> the song very much starts with that. That kind of little shuffling, that little doobie kind of shuffling. Have you seen the video for this? No. It's fucking terrible. Um, it kind of reminds me a wee bit of, uh, again, we fucking talk about him all the time, Billy Joel. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Uptown Girl. Ah, oh, yeah. With the well, you've got this kind, of like, aye, this kind of urban kind of scene and you've got this kind of like classy lady kind of walking about in heels and a dress. And, and is that Rosanna? Aye. And all these kind of like fucking guys in leather, but like, you know, kind of like, a little bit creepy actually. Swooning. Swooning over her. You've got these kind of unnecessary chain, chain link fences. But I think this, this tune is just fucking... Aye, it's it's smooth, but it's again to use that phrase, it's hard rocking, and and certainly total more than probably any other band from the kind of yacht rocky type era, bring the fucking rock into yacht rock. This is the sort of thing as well. The guys that invented yacht rock and that term say that um, Toto are one of the kind of four standards in there. Yeah. So I think it was the Doobie Brothers, Kenny Loggins, Steely Dan, and Toto. But Toto's totally stand out for me as a completely separate band. I know they do. I think they do. Um, I think. I mean, it's smooth. It's smooth, but it's definitely it's definitely got more guitars than pianos. Yeah, uh, and I like the fact they've got that kind of dual kind of vocalist kind of vibe going on as well. It was quite a nice kind of. Michael McDonald is not featuring this one. Spoiler alert. Uh, raging, absolutely raging, raging. By the way. So I'm not going to say too much more about it until we've listened to it. Here is uh, Toto from the 1982 album Four with Rosanna. I didn't know you were looking for more than I could ever be. 
so there we go. Um, absolutely amazing musicians. Yeah, I mean, they've got, I mean, in terms of musicianship, fantastic. And this album really propelled them to rock stardom. And I guess the sort of, uh, I think it's fairly well known, but it might be for some people pretty unknown. Uh, sort of following the success of this album, were actually sort of hired by Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson to um, essentially write and become the, the band that recorded Thriller, pretty much. That's, that's amazing. Um, and talking about Quincy Jones, he's actually the producer of the next track, the one I want to bring up. See, I mean, this is the thing about Yacht Rock. It's so fucking incestuous. Everything's so interlinked. There's so many like sort of crossovers and collaborations, and and that's what for me did make it. Maybe not a genre, but certainly a a movement. A movement, yeah. That's probably a better way of describing it. A movement, not a genre. A movement. So, I really only picked this song because Michael McDonald's on it. If I got to pick what I really wanted to. It would have been a Michael McDonald's solo track, I Keep Forgetting. So why did you not pick that? Because I thought that maybe that would be too obvious and maybe... Every time you're here. Uh, so I went for James Ingram. Um, yeah, I'm all be there. Yeah, I'm all be there. Um, and I didn't know James Ingram, and James Ingram died this year. Fuck, really? January 2019. Why did you keep doing this, man? Sorry, I'm just... Well, I need to know when people die. So, yeah, I'm all be there. Which I actually think is a really bad chorus, but Michael uh, Michael McDonald's on it. Yeah, I'm up here. I don't I think it really suits the rest of the the no. And the when, song. when was this out? When was this released actually? Was this, so this came out in late 1983 as a single and oh, peaked at number 19. Yeah, um, in 1984. So it's just gone beyond that kind of. Well, it has yacht rock, but it is involved in the yacht rock series. One of my favourite things about this song is right at the very beginning in the intro, after that really kind of childlike synth, yeah. is James Ingram going really, really high pitched, like. <gasps> when um, you put this on the playlist, I was a wee bit surprised, um, but I've been listening to the playlist over the last few days, pretty much on repeat when I've had a second, and this one has been definitely a, a grower. I think later into the tune. When Michael McDonald and James Ingram are like trading chops, yeah, their so their voices intertwine. You're like, whose voice is who? And they're just like two titans of this R and B, like. And, and this one's definitely more on the kind of R and B side of your rocket. But I was, and I think that would maybe Quincy Jones's um, yeah influence. Influence. For sure, However, for sure, for sure, this song was co-written with Rod Temperman. You're fucking manning. Rod Temperton, sorry. Temperman, Temperman. Temperton. We're going to... I don't think we're ever going to pronounce this guy's name right. It's because, because my name's Templeton. Templeton. Exactly. But uh, Rod Temperton, produced uh, by Quincy Jones. One of the main reasons that I wanted to bring this up was because of the 40-year-old virgin. Which <laughs> it turns out... <laughs> you've never fucking I've seen it. I've never seen it. Honestly, one of the most quotable films... It's it's I've a classic. It. ITV2 play it religiously. Do you know what? The, I like if you go on ITV2 at 9pm, you're either going to see 40-Year-Old Virgin yeah. or Hot Fuzz. That's it. I've never seen Hot Fuzz. <laughs> have you not seen them? <laughs> no. Fuck off. I've no. Uh, Do you know what I have seen, though? Please tell me. I've seen uh, another Steve Car- Carell film. Oh, I would hope so. Evan Almighty. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let me set the scene for you. 
okay? They work in a store that sell electronics, very similar to Curry's or Richer Sounds, that sort of thing. Right. You know, like, in the back of the day, they had the massive TV walls. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this 40-year-old virgin? This 40-year-old virgin. Okay. All right. Um, so there's this massive wall of TVs, and you know how they always used to play the same thing? Like, you would go into John Lewis, and they sometimes have, like, a music concert playing. I remember going in one of their rooms, and Metallica's S&M was playing. Aye. And it was fucking great. Anyways, in the film, it's a Michael McDonald DVD from, like, the 90s of him singing all his greatest hits. And uh, that plays every single day. And Paul Rudd is one of the employees. Is Paul Rudd in it? Paul Rudd's in right. it as well. Have Paul never... Rudd, Seth Rogen, Steve Carell, a whole host of other people. So when is this on ITV2 again? <laughs> <laughs> Every night, nine o'clock. <laughs> so um, Paul Rudd says, um, nothing against him, as in Michael McDonald, but if I hear Yamo be there one more time, <laughs> I'm going to Yamo burn this place to the ground. <laughs> that is fucking gold, actually. And it turns out, again, same interview that I was talking about at the start of the podcast, um... Michael recalls taking his kids to a movie theatre to see the film and finding the scene not at all surprising. After all, he was well aware of the polarised feelings his music had inspired over the years. Plus, a friend worked on the movie and had been selling them daily rushes, so he knew what they were saying about him. <laughs> uh, he actually says, they went easy on me compared to what it could have been. Do you know what? This, the thing that struck me about this song when I was listening to it was, I felt like it potentially would have been a kind of forefather, if I can use that term, uh, for, like, early 90s R&B. Yes. You know, your kind of Bobby Browns and yeah. of this world. I think it had more of that kind of vibe to it. Um, Definitely. I'm really going with the fact that it was featured in the series and Michael McDonald's on it. Listen, the fucking... The, the Godfather's on it. It's fine. It's in. It's in. Let's, uh, let's take a listen to it. Please do. Let's play it. James Ingram. <laughs> so that was James Ingram featuring none other than Michael McDonald, of course, with Yamo Be There from 1983. Yeah, it, it kind of grows on me that one. It kind of starts, as you say, with that kind of. I love your kind of your description of it was uh, like a cat walking over a synthesizer. <laughs> fucking genius. It really is. Though, Just like random. But then. As you'd mentioned before, Ingram comes in with this kind of... <laughs> kind of like fucking really high-pitched vocal that is absolutely fucking phenomenal. And it kind of builds, it doesn't... It kind of threatens to get to this crescendo that never really happens, but there's some really nice moments within there that I do enjoy. So, uh, and again, anything with McDonald in it, it's, you know, fucking... We can't complain too much. Not at all. Moving swiftly on uh, to my final track, of the pod and we could not do a podcast about Yacht Rock without one of the four pillars of Yacht Rock and as other it is none other rather 
than Mr. Kenny Loggins. Loggins himself. And I and, and that is a thing, like I think most people listening to this pod, um because we've got a really young audience and kind of hip audience, of course, um, <laughs> will probably think of uh, either unwittingly or, or consciously uh, know of Kenny Loggins from probably the Top Gun movie. He did, he did a few songs on that soundtrack, including, as Craig alluded to, uh, Danger Zone, which has a fucking great song, and 80s kind of rock kind of fucking... Giorgio Moroder. Aye. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it ticks a lot of fucking amazing boxes. He also did, he did playing with the boys, didn't he, as well? With that yeah, that yeah, famous yeah, yeah. kind of like topless volleyball scene, homoerotic scene. Um, but uh, way before that, Kenny Loggins, um, he kinda, his, his roots were kind of in folk, wasn't he? Messina and Loggins, yeah. Yeah, they're very much a kind of... Loggins and Messina, I can't remember. Yeah, okay, one of the two. But he, he was in that kind of folk kind of scene. That scene was kind of quickly sort of... Um, well, not quickly, but he kind of left that scene and very much sort of became a big part of the what would become the yacht rock scene, <laughs> or what would be known as the yacht rock scene. Um, so I tried to pick a song that was uh, a sort of Logan's kind of standout. There's a few I could have picked, and the song, of course, was This Is It from the album Keep the Fire. Oh, keep the fire. Uh, indeed, uh, uh, from 1979. And this was uh, co-penned by, by himself and, of course, Michael McDonald. And I just, honestly, this is like such vintage Loggins. Uh, it's got such a terrible fucking album cover and such a terrible yeah, cover. that fucking ball of light <laughs> yeah. in front of the it's galaxy. It's holding this orb. It's like weird. It looks like he's standing in front of a Yes album <laughs> holding a light bulb. It's so fucking weird. Uh, but... It's such a fucking absolute sort of multi-layered uh, track with that instrumentation and different layers of vocals on it. Again, with McDonald and they're playing a huge part on that. I've, I've got absolutely no doubt. And it kind of reminds me of... Do you know, this is what I think Justin Timberlake in, in, uh, aspired to be. Absolutely. That this is like kind of peak where Timberlake would have liked to have went and he never fucking got there, if you ask me. Um, he wanted to get to that kind of Loggins-esque levels of uh, range of vocals and, you know, that kind of breathiness down to that really high-pitched falsetto. And it's just, uh, for me, it's just a fucking great example of Loggins. And to bring it back to the show, because I'm always going to bring it back to the show, um, such a good character, always trying to move away towards more of the rock aspect. Um, it's got always, like, such a... I don't know. It, it is positive, but very self-assured. Oh yeah. Um, about himself, and I love his partnership with. Uh, <laughs> is it Steve Pet Steve Perry from <laughs> Journey? Yeah. Fucking hell, it's so good. I love that Steve. I think the bit part actors in that show are probably my favourites. Aye. Steve Perry, Eddie Van Halen, mm. with he doesn't even say a word. It's just grinning in tongues. Uh, Michael Jackson is probably the most badass out of them all. Yeah. Vincent Price. Oh, Vincent Price is in it, I forgot. Oh, so good. Smooth music. Like, that <laughs> whole thing is so good. So, Kenny Loggins is an integral part. And when you read into the actual real-life stories, you see how many songs him and Michael McDonald have worked on together. Aye. Um, that it just shows that he is, yeah, an integral part. 
I was sorry. I was just looking up um, logins in Messina. Mm. They still have over a million monthly listeners on Spotify. As they are, it's <laughs> together. Yeah, fucking hell. And their top song has thirty six million plays. So supposedly they were the most popular band in the early seventies. Wow. So that's something for us to research at some point. Yeah, I think we'll have to circle back to that. Maybe I've uh, slightly underplayed the Logans and Messina age. And it's it's definitely not a Buckingham and Knicks. No, no. They definitely have some. Um, There's a lot of history there. Yeah, a lot of history, a lot of fan base there as well. I uh, imagine so, yeah. It's clear, it's clear. Unless they're all on yacht rock playlists and just <laughs> on repeat constantly. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Um, I, I mean, I mentioned Top Gun there. Um, Caddyshack as well. I was, that was, it's alright. Exactly, and he did a few songs on the Caddyshack Shack album. That song? Aye, 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 aye. And you can't mention mention Caddyshack without mentioning fucking Bill Murray, of course. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a few cannonballs coming here with with another. Uh, Craig's not. He's, he's turned our shot into basically a cocktail. Well, we didn't have shot glasses, so it made more sense to make it more into a cocktail. Yeah, so we've decided just to put more... More pineapple juice, that's More all. pineapple juice. And it's actually really tasty. I'm quite enjoying the fact that still, it's not like... Yeah. In fact, I haven't pretty much ever drank things, but still. Um, I think that'll put us in good stead for tomorrow. Anyway, so uh, without further ado, I want to play this track for you. This is It by Kenny Loggins... Uh, from the 1979 album Keep the Fire. Left to You're listening to This Is It by Kenny Loggins from 1979 and very much classic Loggins sound. Yeah, we definitely top and tailed this podcast with the two pillars of said genre. And I just thought that it would be quite cool to show how these two guys have been brought into modern culture. And I would say it's thanks to the series Yacht Rock. Yeah, for sure. I think these guys could have easily been sort of forgotten about. Um, I definitely think Michael McDonald would still have his whole blue-eyed soul yeah, cover Motown yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But For to sure. bring the two of them together in a modern track, um, it just shows how this has grown into more of a phenomenon. Definitely. Something I forgot to mention. Now, you may cut this out, but I want to mention okay. it anyway. <laughs> Going back to episode three, this is it. <laughs> It's on fucking Daryl's house. Is it? <laughs> it is. Um, so the man himself, Loggins and Daryl Daryl Hall. Daryl Hall, by the way, yeah, really should just have presented this whole podcast. Pretty much. He seems to know everybody that we love. So, Todd Rundgren, Gaina Loggins. Yeah. So they do uh, a version of this. This is it. And it's, it's actually really good. Um, and Darryl Who Hall, handles Michael McDonald's vocals? Daryl Hall. I think it's Daryl Hall. Yeah, yeah. I Which, don't know if I'd be down with that. No, uh, I know. I mean, he's 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 kind of apparently from what I've kind of heard and read, he's he's a he's a 
bit of a dick, actually. Who? Daryl Hall. So we're going to go to a track that was released, I think, last year? Or the mm. year before? Very recent. Year. I think I, it was last year. I think so it was last year. This is um, from Thundercat's album, Drunk, that was released on limited edition Double Ten Inch. Which, no, was it not four of them? Oh, yeah, maybe it was four, actually. It was like a box I was very set. tempted to get it, because I love Ten Inches. Interestingly about Ten Inches, do, do you know a fact, a little fact bomb for you here, that when uh, LPs were originally introduced, that Ten Inch was the chosen format, because A, didn't want it to be too expensive, and B, didn't want it to be soft. Sort of... Uh, too much of an onus on an artist to have to like produce like film those sounds exactly. Wow, there you go. I really like that. I want to just talk about Thundercat for a minute. I know it's not anything to do with this podcast, but you and I both work in a an environment that um, utilizes Webex. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. You ever been put on hold on Webex? Oh yeah. Waiting for a, a room to open up. Yeah, numerous times. Thundercat is the waiting music. A fucking is actually. Aye. I remember hearing it, I was like, fuck, wait a minute, that's Thundercat. Another th- bit of the waiting music is like a kind of midi-esque version of Childish Gambino's Redbone. Mm. I mean, who decides those agreements? Who's responsible for that? Who knows? But it's cool as fuck. So anyways, we are going to leave you with a thoroughly modern track involving both Kenny Loggins and Michael McDonald's. And this is Thundercats' Show You The Way. Well, that concludes episode four of Roman Records, Yacht Rock. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please remember to subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. You can keep in touch with us at our website, which is romanrecords.com. And if you want to show your visual support, please be aware that we've got a ton of stickers to give away. Drop us a line on a DM on any of your social media platforms and we'll hook you up. Thanks again for listening.